Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. We're continuing our deep dive in 1 Corinthians 13, and today we begin with verse 5 that reads, Love is not rude, it is not irritable or resentful. Rudeness, irritability, and resentment are love killers. The way we speak to one another in marriage reflects what's really in our hearts. Jesus said in Matthew 12:34, Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. But rudeness, irritability, and resentment go well beyond the things we say to one another. When those malignancies are resident in our hearts, they metastasize in all kinds of ways. These three seem to travel as a team, and wherever they go, love is never with them. We would never think to describe someone who is acting rudely as a loving person. The same is true for anyone who is regularly irritable or resentful. If our goal in our relationships, especially in marriage, is to love our neighbor as ourselves, then we have to root out rudeness, irritability, and resentment. We have to replace those stubborn habits with godly character qualities like kindness, compassion, humility, meekness, and patience. A loving marriage will not grow or thrive when spouses are routinely rude to one another. When a spouse is regularly irritable with his or her mate, love is quickly quenched. When resentment lingers, love withers. The problem is, most people who are rude or irritable or resentful are blind to it. They see it clearly in others, but like the people with logs in their own eyes, they can't see these traits in themselves. They may recognize that they are often annoyed by things, but they are blind to the way those annoyances provoke them. When they are rude, they believe the object of their disrespect deserved it. When something triggers their irritability, They believe the irritability is justified. Bob Lapine says that to be committed to love is to be committed to recognizing and putting to death rudeness, irritability, and resentment. And at the same time, husbands and wives must be equally committed to the cultivation of the godly graces that must take root and blossom in their place. The Apostle Peter tells husbands that we are to live with our wives in an understanding way. In fact, he says that a failure to do so will affect the way God responds to our prayers. If we're honest, I think we can say that we've had to learn over time that even well-intentioned words can be misunderstood. I can wound my wife even when what I'm trying to do is to express affection. I can be rude even when that's not my intent. Being rude seems like such a little thing, doesn't it? Most of us think that the opposite of rudeness is politeness. A rude person is someone who doesn't use good manners. It's someone who doesn't wait until everyone has been served before starting to eat, or someone who burps after a meal. When the Bible says love is not rude, it is talking about something more than adhering to a set of social graces. The word for rude is a Greek word that can be used for a wide range of behavior from bad manners to shameful acts. Author Alexander Strock, in his book, Leading with Love, says the following actions might qualify for rudeness. Inappropriate dress, 
inconsiderate talk, disregard for other people's time or moral conscience, taking advantage of people, tactlessness, ignoring the contributions or ideas of others, running roughshod over others' plans or interests, inappropriate behavior with the opposite sex, basic discourtesy and rudeness, and general disregard for proper social conduct. These things, Strock says, are all evidence of a lack of love for others. Rudeness describes the way we treat others when we think we are better than they are. Phil Riken says, using bad manners may seem like a small failing, even if we think it is a failing at all. But the Bible says when we do not treat people nicely and properly, we are failing to love, which is always our calling, even in the little things. Bob asks us to think about this practically for a second. Someone buys you a gift. You do not write a thank you note. Here's what you've just said to that person. Even though you took time, spent money, and went to the effort to buy something nice for me, I am too busy with other things to take five minutes to write you a note. You and your kindness are just not that much of a priority in my life. Rudeness comes from a heart of arrogance. Rude people are intently focused on how the behavior of others affects them, but they pay virtually no attention to how their behavior affects others, even in little things. Now what about in your marriage? Have you just come to expect the little things your spouse does for you and the family as their job? Or do you express gratitude in some way? Nancy DeMoss Wogelmuth has written a booklet on 1 Corinthians 13 titled, How's Your Love Life? She offers some diagnostic questions for us to consider as we think about the extent to which arrogance is a part of our lives. Do you have an accurate assessment of your strengths and weaknesses? Do you harbor a spirit of pride, an inflated view of yourself? Do you feel your spiritual gift is superior to others' gifts? Do you communicate an attitude of spiritual superiority toward your spouse, your family, your work associates? And what about rudeness? Do you have good manners? Are you courteous to others, especially in your home? Are you tactful, sensitive to the feelings of others and choosing words carefully so you don't needlessly offend? Are you agreeable when you must disagree with someone? Do you use sarcasm or put-downs that show disrespect? You can undoubtedly think of people you know who are ruder than you. However, that's not the standard. And remember, when we compare ourselves against others, we make excuses. But when we compare ourselves against ourselves, we make progress. Irritability is a close relative of rudeness. Rude actions or words often spring from the heart of someone who is easily irritated. And being easily irritated is the antithesis of patience. The human impulse to be irritated by the words or actions of others is not an impulse born of love and grace. It's not a spirit-inspired impulse. It comes from the darker part of who we are. Irritation happens when we're focused on ourselves. It appears when we find ourselves being inconvenienced or disrespected or disregarded or ignored. We end up responding in a way that demonstrates our displeasure with how we think we're being treated. We can correct someone else's actions without being short-tempered. Ephesians 4.15 says we're to speak the truth to others in love. 
When something our spouse does provokes us, we don't ignore our frustration or fail to reprove or correct one another. But love requires that we drain any lingering irritability out of our correction. Our motive for speaking the truth to each other must always be a desire to see the life of Jesus being fully lived out in one another. We speak the truth to help one another grow in Christ-likeness, not because something they've done has left us personally annoyed or offended. Bob asks us to consider how our marriages would be different if, instead of being easily annoyed or irritated with one another, we made it our goal to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. How would our marriages be different if we were not quarrelsome? If we were kind, patient, and gentle as we interacted with each other? If we made sure that any time we spoke the truth, the person hearing us was able to hear our love for them as loudly as they could hear our truth-telling? If you are an easily provoked, easily irritated person, and if you're not sure, just ask your spouse. Realize that the source of your irritability is not the actions of others. It is your flesh-based response to those actions. Bob suggests people don't make you irritable. A lack of love for God and for others is what makes you irritable. A failure to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit is what makes you irritable. Well, what about resentment? Bob says that there is a link between justice and resentment. One of God's attributes is that He is just. He is fair. He will not allow wickedness to go unpunished. But at the same time, God is loving. He is merciful and gracious. And just as His love, mercy, and grace don't diminish His justice, so His justice does not diminish other aspects of His divine character. He is perfectly loving and perfectly just. It's possible to be both. But we are fallen men and women. When it comes to being loving and just, we can easily drift to a place where love becomes conditional and where what we think is justice is really resentment. In their book, Forgiveness Therapy, psychologists Robert Enright and Richard Fitzgibbon say resentment is an unhealthy response to injustice, sometimes an injustice that won't quit such as continual demeaning comments from a partner or the unreasonable demands of a boss who just doesn't get it. Resentment in cases like these represents a development in one's anger from mild to deeper, and it lingers. This kind of resentment can lead to unhappiness, continual irritability, and psychological compromise, including excessive anxiety and depression. The words that are translated as resentful in the English Standard Version are actually three Greek words that literally mean to count up wrongdoing. The New International Version says that resentment involves keeping a record of wrongs. Eugene Peterson, in the message paraphrase of the Bible, says love makes no room for resentment. It puts up with anything. You cannot be loving and harbor resentment at the same time. Keeping a record of wrongs will extinguish love as it pushes you away from another person. At the same time, holding on to an attitude of resentment does not make you particularly lovable. Resentment is not an attractive feature. Well, our time has gone for today. And as we close, I invite you to join me Monday mornings at 10 a.m. on my Mutual Understanding Method Facebook page 
for some live teaching about areas of your relationship where mutual understanding is critical. Have a great and safe weekend. God bless. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.